This is Hassan Akram, your host for Autonomous Vehicle Safety and Security Podcast, brought to you by Matrix. Next speaker, actually the first speaker, Professor Rolf Jung. Um, Professor Rolf Jung is a faculty member of a University of Applied Science, Kempton. And he is in a very interesting, he's running a very interesting program. It's called, it's a master's program in ADAS, Advanced Driver Assistance System. So um, maybe, maybe Rolf will tell you a little more about it. One interesting fact about uh, Rolf is he's also a TU Munich alumni. So for you, it's also a Heimspiel, Rolf. So please welcome Professor Rolf. Thank you for the invitation, Hassan, and also Mark, because you gave me a lot of impact <laughs> in the ethics uh, discussion and every other things. So where are we going to go now? Uh, as you see the topic, it's I took the topic future of highly automated driving. Is it safe and is it secure? We will dive into that in a minute, but firstly, I want to tell you, my name is Rolf Jung. As you already mentioned it, thank you. I'm working in the University of Applied Sciences in Kempton uh, for one part teaching and one part research on this uh, basis of functional safety. So ADAS is one part. I do also have machinery engineering where safety is also relevant. So, but now I just want to give you an introduction what we're going to meet in the future. My topic is the future. Hopefully it's working. Just get an impression of it. So what you see here, it's a crossing. And what you mentioned, there are no traffic lights. Nobody is looking uh, riding according to any rules as, as it seems to. So you see the passenger just walking by the other one. It'll become more interesting. So would you walk on this crossing here? <laughs> well, this is a bit uh, scary for the future, but what we have now is something like that. Maybe you know that this is a terminal, a container terminal in Hamburg. It's in 2012. These are autonomously driving vehicles, just trucks running around, but you see no human in the background. So that's the extremely difference when we have cars driving in traffic in normal roads and if we have a place where no passengers or no people are crossing. So we have a much more safe region here and these are driving completely autonomously but there is no danger. So safety is imminent. Where do we have uh, automotive vehicles as well? If you look at this metro, it's the one in Nuremberg, you may have heard from it. Uh, 
Usually it's driving on its own, so people can enter the metro and they will be driven autonomously, but there is always a driver in it right now. Doing nothing, just comforting people <laughs> and giving trust to the technology. So, but doing it autonom autonomously must be some uh, advantage. And what's the advantage for those who built this metro? They shorten the sequences from 200 to 100 seconds. So more people can drive into it, uh, take this metro. There are also other metros, you know them all over the world. Let it be somewhere Lausanne, Barcelona, Paris or whatever. So there's another part in Germany, there's a bus. This is driving autonomously in Bad Birnbach. It was the first bus in Germany to be certified driving not only on private roads, but on public roads. So it's just a road uh, with a length of 700 meters. But nevertheless, it's driving autonomously. But as in the metro, there's one, not a driver in it, but someone who accompanies the car. If anything happens that is not known by this car, then this um, accompanying people will push the red button and the car comes to a stop. So right now, the speed is also limited. Right now to less than 20 kilometers per hour. So it's quite tricky today to get cars driving faster than 20 kilometers per hour. We come to that later on right now. What do we have to, uh, to get cars on traffic roads? We have several levels of automation for these highly automated cars. There is a uh, BMI VDA source. There's also an SAE source, Society of American Engineers. Uh, they listed these driverless vehicles within six levels. Level zero means only the driver is responsible for the car and takes control over the car completely. Then there are levels up to five. This here says driverless. So this car drives without any driver attention. And there are some levels in between. You see assisted driving, part, partly automated, highly automated and fully automated driving. I don't go too deep into that detail now. I do have a video that demonstrates it. Maybe this is some part of advertising, but as we are in Munich, maybe you excuse the that. Group is <laughs> fully autonomous driving over five you can take other car uh, automobile manufacturers as well. The car will shift from the person at the wheel to the car itself. Today, the second level has already been reached. Here, the driver so is this is second level. systems and can remove their hands from the steering wheel for brief periods. At the third level, I left out that at zero. Able to completely turn their attention away from driving, but must be able to step in again at short notice. Once level four is reached, the driver might even be able to sleep. They must, however, still be basically fit to drive in case they have to take over control of the car for specific sections of the journey. It is at the final level of development that cars will drive fully autonomously. The driver will become another passenger and won't even have to be able to drive, as the car will assume complete responsibility for the task of driving. 
At level 2, stereo cameras and radar sensors monitor the immediate surrounding area. Level 3 requires highly advanced sensors, such as laser scanners, ultrasonic sensors and radar systems, which together produce a 360-degree model of the vehicle's environment. This makes it possible to calculate more complex driving maneuvers. For level 4, fully automated driving from 2021, all sensors and cameras will supply far more precise data, while the real-time data from the area maps provided by here will also be factored into the process of computing driving maneuvers. And level 5, the first pilot projects for fully autonomous driving are due to get underway in selected cities from as early as 2020. For the BMW Group, the vision of fully autonomous driving has long since begun. So you now you have, have got an impression of what we, levels we are talking about. And if you remember that, level 2 is the one we have uh, in reality right now on the roads. Level 3 is maybe approaching, but it is not yet reached. Even if we talk about cars that drive nearly autonomously on the highway, uh, this is not exactly level 3, but uh, it's said to be. So, highly automated driving, what is it? Do we need that at all? Why should we need that? Why do all people talk about that? Uh, it's very complicated, it's not trustworthy, so we should have some reasons. Do we have reasons here? Has anybody been in a traffic jam yet? Yeah. <laughs> I've been standing in a traffic jam right now, coming from the Allgäu. I stood there for one hour <laughs> on a construction site. Well, I'm here. <laughs> it works, so it's only one hour. What is the longest uh, traffic jam someone experienced of you? Just a, a few things. Five hours. Five hours. That's somebody more. One, one night. So one night means 10 hours, 12 hours. Yeah, yeah. Anybody more? I hit the hammer. <laughs> so leave it at 12 hours. I will show you that here. 100 kilometers traffic jam in Beijing for nine days. A nine-day traffic jam in China is now more than 100 kilometers long and could last for weeks, state media reported Monday. Thousands of trucks en route to Beijing from Guilin in the southeast have been backed up since August 14, making the National Expressway 100 impassable, Xinhua News reported. A spokesman for the Beijing Traffic Management Bureau reportedly told China's Global Times newspaper that the backup was due to insufficient traffic capacity caused by maintenance construction. The construction is scheduled to last until September 13. So, what we experience here is, if you have an accident, then of course you must wait. This is what I experienced today. There was an accident and everything come to a standstill. Or we have construction sites. And this in China, that was no accident. It was just construction sites. There were many construction sites, but uh, it was somehow uh, maybe not planned very, very precisely. There are other uh, parts in the world 
that are trying self-driving taxis, for example. And what uh, benefits do they promise themselves? There should be some relief of roads. There are fighting shortages, uh, skills of shortages in, in the transport industry. So no people driving the taxis for the amount of people that need taxis. And there may be more green space through more efficient vehicle use. So the main part is vehicle use. We do have individual traffic and we of course have the mobility need and we, we are a mobile society. So everybody wants to be mobile and we can't reduce that mobility. So how do we enhance mobility? If, you, if we turn back our minds to this traffic jam in China, they need all the people. They are not just going to holidays, they are working there. So it's an economical disaster if the working people stand in that jam for one week. So they have to do something against that. And what are they going to do? They can have lots of buses, trains or uh, large mass vehicles, but they can't do that because the people are living far spread in small countries and they all have to go to these uh, cities. So there must be some kind of individual traffic usages, cars. So now, what is another part of the uh, mobility? The number of accidents with injuries or with fatalities. And is this still high? If we look to the numbers that came across the years, we have a scale here from 1954 to 2010. And the green graph depicts the number of fatalities in Germany in traffic. So if you look at that number, it's more than 20,000 fatalities, so deaths in traffic around 1970. And this number decreased until now, though the number of passenger vehicles is rising continuously. So something must have happened. And one severe part was the safety belt and the reduction of 100 kilometers per hour on highways. There was no limit before that time. We can't imagine yet. Uh, and then there was the uh, anti-blocking system, the airbag that came to a drop, the stability control, and there were several others ADAS system. ADAS stands for Advanced Driver Assistance Systems. So these are the systems that are built into the cars to help the driver to get the control of the traffic around it. So and now just another uh, a, a continuation from 2010 to now. There's about a steady amount of fatalities per year from 2000, let's say, yeah, from 2010 to 2018. So there was not much of a reduction right now. And if you think of that, okay, no reduction means no increase, but we should have a decrease, it would be better. Think of 3,000 people dying in traffic each year. Something should be done. And 
Now we think about what are the accidents people are involved. There's a statistics uh, from 2019 uh, about the years 2017 and 18 in black and blue. And the most uh, urgent um, contributor for these accidents are turns, drive backwards, uh, turning on roads, something like that. You wouldn't imagine that. If you uh, imagine on some advertising uh, amount, then you'd say it's maybe alcohol or speed. But look at that. Speed is somewhere in the middle and alcohol is at the bottom most in this list. It's just an amount of three to four percent. It may still be too much people, but this is give way, for example. Not giving somebody the way who has the, uh, the right to drive right now or distance, distance is too short, and then we have the speed or we take the wrong road. So, and these are things that can be taken over by these ADA systems, a help for the drivers. Can we increase safety now? How can we do that? What kind of safety are we talking about in general? We have several parts. We have this ego driver and its passengers. Ego driver means it's me, it's, it's the car I'm talking about. Then we have the ego car itself. This is human, this is mankind. And this is electronics. This is maybe electronics, the mechanics, the car itself. And then we have the other participators, the surrounding other cars and traffic um, participators. And of course, we have the environment. We have these curves, we have trees and so on. How do we help the drivers? Without reducing their freedom, because we have to have, we would like to have the, uh, the mobility. So we use advanced driver assistance system. This is one part. And we're aiming at the highly automated driving to take more control of the driver and help him to manage the traffic. So can we make it safe now? The driver is here assisted by some cameras, which many of you have in their cars to, uh, to watch the distance, the speed. While this driver may be stressed, of course. It may be, he may be dreaming. Uh, maybe he's distracted or in anger because the driver in front of him is too small, too slow, or he's just drowsy. In the evening, when you drive back from the work, can we do? The other systems have several tasks. The one is it warns the driver in case of some accident, if it happens. So it warns this driver somehow beeping or doing something. And the next way is to take over control. And this is much more severe, of course, because it has to have some maybe intelligence. And taking over control means it steers, it accelerates, it brakes on its own without our control. And this is something we don't have trust in yet too much. So. What are the failures that could happen if we give control to that car? So I'll show you some 
one more video here. This was in China on January 2016. You see it's driving on the left road. So and this was a car that was driving in a semi-automatic mode. So driver should take care about the surrounding, but he relied on the automated car. So it was driving at about a level between two and three already. So the driver was in trust to take, uh, to let the car drive on its own. And on a highway, nothing should happen. But this automated car wasn't aware that there could be an obstacle on the overtaking road. So it didn't even realize that car. There were several of these accidents. And the one that was really famous and in the press, you know that, this was this Tesla driver that went below that truck and the uh, other system didn't recognize that. Well, it was to the press, I won't go in more detail, but these are the things we have to talk about and take into account. There's one more video here. So this is somewhere in Los Angeles. You see lights turn red, this car stops and the other car has some thing on it. So this is said to be also an autonomous car driving there and it didn't recognize this traffic light. So there is a lot to do. What cases of failures do we have in others functions in general? There is the possibility that this ADAS control unit in the car may be defect because of some electronic unit not working. And what is it? Due to some hardware, software, or even architectural failures. And this is taken into account by something that is called functional safety. There's a standard on it. I teach it in the uh, University of Applied Sciences in Kempton and all the students must know this standard and they should take it into account when they are working in automotive industry in the future. Secondly, what else do we have? Others control may be fooled or cheated. So we have the units, but these electronic units have no eyes as we have. What do they have? They have sensors. We know that, of course, cameras, radar, LiDAR, um, ultra, uh, sonic, uh, sensors, but these controls may be fooled. And what does it say? Either fooled by the sensors, by algorithms, this is the software you're writing, this is a digital transformation for example, or simply by the environment. And the whole thing is also covered by something that is called safety of the intended functionality. A new kind of standard came up that's being discussed and this is also something that must be taken into account if we're talking about failures happening in these cars. And some third part of course that will be topic in the next speeches here are external attackers of course. So the hackers that go into these ADAS control units and do what they want. So there's the part of security and by the end of the year there should also be a standard coming up covering this part of failures 
for these highly automated functions. So there's something else. I've been talking about algorithms. So something that is very near about that, of course, is artificial intelligence. We're now thinking about many functions must be included with artificial intelligence because no algorithm or deterministic software can capture all the cases of sensors and environment. So we have, uh, I don't go deep into that, but we have several levels where decisions have to be taken. For example, here we have the, the sensor and we have the information that comes into the car by 700 megabits per second or even one gigabit. And now there must be some algorithm that detects this one case, we have to make an emergency break. There is not only one case in this picture the camera sees that says, now you have to break, bring the car to a stop. And what do we have to do? We have to take in the electronic units, this 700 megabit stream, we have to put it down to one information that draws the reaction to a dangerous situation. Bring the car to a stop or make a, a curve or ride around this vehicle. And this is not easy doing that within, let's say, a part of a second, only a fraction of a second. We often only have 50 milliseconds or less time. So these are, for example, some algorithms getting the images. We got that as a separate presentation. So the, a car is depicted in green, there are passengers in red. And now we have something, but this algorithm takes time and also uh, has errors because the problem is that there could be ghost pictures. So in two ways, there is that part of failures uh, is called uh, false positives or false negatives. So you see something and it is not there. So you do an emergency break though there is no obstacle. And the other way is much more severe. You don't react upon a, an obstacle that is really there, but the sensor doesn't see it, doesn't perceive it. So these are the things. What can we do about that? Improve functional safety for these other functions. So if you go out of here, you should always keep in mind functional safety must be some very important thing. Then we have to include this SOTIF. SOTIF was the safety of the intended functionality. And security, not to get a harm on the car. Maybe you have seen some uh, videos or um, cinemas in the last two years that took into account these automated, highly automated cars that were controlled externally. And in case of exceeding the level three, reminded level three is the one thing that the driver can, uh, may not pay attention to the surrounding for more than maybe 10, 20 seconds. So the car must securely and safely drive in that period. And in that case, 
we do still have to, and this is the way back to your talk, the ethical and the legal aspects, which are very severe. So finally, I saw a, uh, a solution in a China fair. This was an autonomous car and it had an emergency button on it. I hope this is not the solution to that. <laughs> so you will in the future find the best solution for that. Thank you very much. In this podcast show, we bring in the industry leaders and experts in the automotive domain to share their experiences along their journey. The mission of our podcast is to start a dialogue that will allow us to understand the development of automotive industry and where the automotive industry is going. You can ask questions to our guests directly. Just send us an email to podcast at matrix.de. We'll schedule a call with you during the recording and you'll be part of our show. Make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss any new episodes. Please share this video to help others get enlightened as well and that would mean a great deal to us. See you in the next episode.